On the Virtual Bible Study tonight, we want to talk about some folks who sort of got nasty with us. Well, we got some, we've been doing some advertising for our upcoming weekend event here at College View, and we put a, an ad, a paid ad on Facebook, and it got out to a lot of people, and boy, we started getting a lot of feedback, a lot of negative feedback, and, uh, people saying some things that we think are just absolutely untrue about what we believe and practice, and so we're gonna just take some of their comments and deal with them tonight. All right, we're gonna talk about it, and we're gonna get started. Right now. It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, Internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 93- 3-1-381-4567 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And we welcome you into the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, January 23rd, 2020. We're glad that you're here tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad. Uh, uh, hello, Jacob. I was just checking to see if our stream was going out. I believe it is. I think we're I think we're live and active. That's because Kyle's here and he got us out tonight. Kyle, welcome. Well, to the Well, but I also have to do some pay, uh, some oh, uh, updating. It's, it's, it's on you, not on Kyle. Uh, yeah, it, it, I wouldn't blame Kyle at all, but uh, I was just checking up on myself, and I think we're okay. How you doing tonight, Kyle? Doing good. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being here on the other end of the line tonight, and we want to hear from you at 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. And if you're in the chat room tonight live, share your comments with other listeners. And I can tell this is a hot-button topic. They're filling in the chat room fast tonight. Good. That's good. Uh, And so uh, it's going to be a good discussion. So let's do our housekeeping first. Uh, This is the weekend. This coming weekend, Saturday and Sunday, is the weekend for our special Bible study series here at College View. We've been advertising this for several weeks. In fact, a few weeks ago, we had our speaker online with us to uh, just sort of give folks an an idea of of his ability and teaching and expressing himself. Josh McKibben. Josh preaches regularly for the church in Somerset, Kentucky. And he is a a, a really good Bible student. He's an enthusiastic speaker. And uh, we're looking forward to really some great lessons that he'll be bringing us this week. In fact, I ought to read one more time. Read the one more time. Read, read the, the uh, titles of the sermons he'll be preaching. We're going to have five sermons in less than 24 hours. Yep. We'll start Saturday, this Saturday, the 25th at 4 p.m. How to talk your parents into anything. Mm-hmm. That sounds interesting, doesn't it? At 7 o'clock Saturday, then, how to find the right person. We're concerned for our young people to certainly meet the right people, marry yep. the right people. Yep. Then Sunday, we'll meet at our regular times, uh, uh, Sunday morning at 9.30 and 10.30. At 9.30, Josh will teach how to maximize Bible reading. At 10.30 on Sunday morning, how to cultivate, how to cultivate quality friendships. You know, one of the big problems that especially young people have is that they get in the wrong peer group. So how to cultivate quality friendships. And then I, I would have to honestly admit the one that I'm most looking forward to is 2.30 Sunday afternoon. How to lose your faith by the time you're 20. All right. Obviously, you don't want to lose your faith, but there's some things that you, that if you do these things, I'm sure Josh will point out, you're heading down a, a, a train wreck course if you do certain things and your faith will be destroyed. So I don't live in Columbia. Should I, should I attend? If you are anywhere close to driving distance to Columbia, Tennessee, we want to encourage you to come. Make the drive. I don't think you'll be sorry for that. But, Kyle, I think we're going to be streaming these live uh, on our YouTube yeah. channel, College yeah. View Live Stream. But, so but. Don't, don't don't cop out and go to the YouTube uh, if you can get here within driving distance of Columbia, Tennessee. Yeah, and Daniel has sent some message to us tonight uh, to your response to your questions. Uh, I talked to Daniel earlier this week. He's driving up from Florida. Wow, wow. Over 500 miles. Uh, so, wow, looking forward to, to him being here. But... Uh, it is going to be a good session. And maybe some folks say, eh, I don't know if it's going to be worth it or not. 
Go check out Josh's podcast, Led by Truth is the podcast. Yeah, his, and, uh, his podcast, do, do a search for. Uh, or, or you can also search for the congregation where he preaches in Somerset, Kentucky. It's the Lakeside Church of Christ in Somerset, Kentucky. And there you'll find links to his sermons uh, as well. Led by Truth. Uh, so he has a podcast, that, Led that by that Truth. May, may, that may push you over the line. You may decide, hey, I do need to make the drive uh, to be a part of that. So we look forward uh, to you joining us uh, either in person or online this weekend. Yeah. Find out more on our website, collegeview.com, where you can find, again, those topics and uh, the times. Yeah. Now, what we did uh, is that we put that ad for our weekend series on, well, we put it on both of our Facebook pages. We have a Facebook page for College View Church of Christ. We have a Facebook page for the virtual Bible study. We put the ad on both sites, but we actually what they call boosted or paid to prom- so trendy to promote this this ad on our yeah. virtual Bible study page. And that's when we started getting we, we do we do that every week uh, to a lesser degree to to promote the program on the virtual Bible study. But we did it. We paid more. We spent more money to advertise to a wider audience uh, uh, for this weekend series. And, boy, we started getting the feedback. I picked some of those comments out just to show we're not afraid to deal with the way people react to the things we believe and teach. And I picked out ten comments of the almost 200 that we have received. Uh, I I couldn't use several of them because they were so vulgar. And the language was so profane. Uh, several were that way, and so we just had to delete those. But, um, we, you know, we're, we're not opposed to people differing with us. I think we've tried to prove that through the years on the Virtual Bible Study. We've even invited people to come and be with us on the program who take differing positions than our own. We're not, we're not, we don't object to people who have differences of opinion. We'd like to be civil about it. And, I, and, and some of, some of these comments that we received are absolutely not civil whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, but we're not afraid of contradictory positions and, and we feel a, a, a duty, a, uh, a compulsion, if you will, to state why we believe what we believe uh, and, and try to back that up. We're not we're not back. No, we yeah, don't back we, away from that at all. We appreciate people who disagree with us who are willing to. Well, I don't know that the people who sent these comments would be willing to engage in a debate or not. I, they, they, these comments are probably indicate that they are not of the character who would do that. But we welcome if somebody wants to disagree with us on anything, we want to talk. Uh, before we go on, sit, guest 5618 wants to know about the, the the meetings this week. Are they for people of all ages? Everybody. Everybody. Can We want everybody to come. We're not making this. Is not, this is not a, just a teen weekend. This is for everybody. And we really try to stress that. We don't want we don't want to exclude anybody. We want everybody to come. All right. Good. And we got Donna listening from Chile, Florida. You Timothy's know, Donna, listening in Grand, uh, Granbury, Texas. Thank you, Timothy. And Donna? Donna sent us uh, uh, just a brief email. She says, I'm enjoying the show every week. Keep up the good work for Jesus. Second Peter 3, 3 through 4 mentions that there will be scoffers in the last day. Yeah, that's right, Donna. Yeah, you're right, Donna. And I think we've run into some of those with some of these comments yeah. that we have All received. Right. Thank you for that. We've got a few others who just commented briefly, yeah. kind, of, kind of reacting to the reaction. Jared said, so much hate and ignorance here makes me think of Second Timothy 2, 23 and t- through 26. I hope and pray they are able to come to the truth before it's too late. Romans 14, verses 11 and 12. Keep up the good work. Don't let the haters discourage you from doing the Lord's work. First Peter 4, 16. Thank you uh, for that. Uh, Barbara, and I think Barbara's in California. We're far and wide tonight. Uh, yeah. Texas, Florida, California. Uh, Barbara says those were pretty typical, I would say, as she read through those comments. Pretty strong felt feelings for sure. They are strong felt feelings. That's okay. I, you know, I actually think that if you're going to hold a position, you ought to hold it strongly. Uh that, that's not that's not bad, but be civil. We're just asking these people to be civil with us. Yep. Uh, Dwight said, Dwight's out in Iowa. Uh, he said, everyone who wrote these responses are welcome to their opinions. Although I, they don't believe in God or his word, they will be held accountable on the last day. Second Corinthians 5 verse 10 says, we will all appear before the judgment seat of Christ to give account to the things we've done in this body, whether good or bad. This, atti- this type of attitude towards God and Jesus and the truth is sad because these folks have been deceived in their own hearts, and because of that, will face an impending doom without changing their life and obeying God and His Word. Uh, yeah, and he, and he references Second Thessalonians two 
10 through 12. But and I think Dwight is right. They have they have accepted a line of reasoning that says that we are blind followers of tradition. They have accepted a point of view that says anybody who believes in Jesus Christ, who believes in God, who believes in the Bible, is a mindless person who who doesn't think for themselves. And uh, that is sad because it's absolutely not true. We, We spend a lot of time dealing with the broad subject that we identify as evidences. We believe it's necessary for us to prove what we believe and why we believe it. Uh, to present the evidence that convinces us and hopefully will convince others. But it it is absolutely wrong to assume that we're just mindless religious robots, just that we just, that we have been brainwashed and pre-programmed and, and we're just spitting out the party line and we don't think for ourselves. That's just wrong. And I, I find it personally offensive that people would represent us in that way. Dwight goes on and says, No wonder the morals of our country are dwindling with ungod-fearing people not standing up for the truth and being obedient to their creator. That is right, Dwight. Thank you. So we've sort of jumped the gun a little bit here. Well, Uh, we just kind of covered some of the general reaction to these comments that we got. But let's let's, how much time we got. Yeah, we got time to tackle one of these. Uh, I just picked out ten of the... Men, dozens, almost 200 comments that came in in the last couple of days. Uh, and I picked out 10, uh, thinking maybe they're sort of representative of the whole. Some of them I couldn't have republished because of the vulgar language. Uh, but here's one that is pretty typical. And I sent these out earlier to our update list, by the way. So if, you, if you're not on our update list, get on it by sending us an email to questions at collegeview.com and say, put me on the list. Here's the first one that we picked out. This is what someone commented on our Facebook page to the ad about our weekend series. Every argument for God is a lame excuse for believing in something that doesn't exist. I don't know. I mean, that's that's pretty blunt, I would say. Yeah. So make your arguments for God. They are all lame excuses for believing in something that doesn't exist. Now, you know, I disagree with the atheist, with the evolutionist, with the Big Bang proponents. But I don't have to stoop to the level saying you're just making lame arguments. I can uh, I I have evidence to show that their arguments are not valid. But just to throw out. Something like this, just in uh, hurling insults. Uh, you know, we we could say, you know, atheists don't think for themselves. Atheists are are ir- totally irrational and illogical and uneducated and un- we don't do that. We try to say, listen, here's the argument. Think about this this way. That that's at least that's what we ought to do. Yeah. And and uh, so you know, to, to say these are just lame excuses for believing in something. Why would I want to make an excuse for something that I that I that doesn't exist. I believe that God exists, and I'm not making lame excuses for that. I'm, I'm I've come to that conclusion based upon an examination of the evidence. And we have talked before about the the, the I think overwhelming evidence for the existence of a supreme being. We can identify him as the God of the Bible later on, but we just to just to identify the idea that there is a supreme being uh, that is not confined with time and space and, and in this physical universe. We make arguments, for instance, like nothing comes from nothing. This The, the very existence of our physical universe demands that there have been a cause for the physical universe. That's what the atheist doesn't have, by the way. He doesn't have a, what caused the universe. He doesn't have what caused matter to exist he can't answer that question then we then we we take that argument a step further and say design demands a designer when we look at the universe when we look at the broad universe or when we look at specific things within the universe when we look at minute living things on our planet earth we see such an incredible array of intricate design and order. And order. 
And we make the point, design demands a designer. Again, the evolutionist and atheist don't have an explanation for that that works. It's not scientific. Uh, so we think that we're believing in something that's reasonable. Everybody has, we've made this point on the virtual Bible study before. Everybody has to believe in some uncaused first cause. You take anybody's position far enough back and you get back to a position where what caused that to be and you can't answer it. We, 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 we understand that, but we, we acknowledge that the uncaused first cause in our understanding is God himself. Yeah. And we're not hurling insults and saying, if you don't agree with us, you're stupid, like the people that are insulting us are. We're saying, here's the facts, and we encourage you to believe them. You need to believe them. You need to accept the facts because, as you said, you can zoom in as far as you can zoom in and see order and design. You can zoom out as far as you can zoom out and see order and design. There has to be a cause. There has to be a reason why we see this, an explosion doesn't cause the order and design that we see, as they say, occurred in the Big Bang. Daniel says, uh, references Psalm 19, talks about the the uh, heavens declare the glory of God and and uh, the fact that we should be able to look at the world around us and realize there must be uh, a, a higher being. He says, is the Bible his word? Can the eyewitnesses be trusted? Were the apostles martyred for a lie? Is the empty tomb the greatest deception of all time? Did the Jewish leaders and the Roman government so incomplete, uh, incompetently fail us all? Has the world forever been ruined by a carpenter preaching three years in Palestine? So he's pointing to some of those evidences. The Bible itself shows us that there must be a God because of the nature of it. When you, when you prove that the Bible had to have been created by some supernatural influence rather than just by created by man, then you're arguing for God. When you, when you, when, when you argue for the Bible, you're arguing for God. What about the 500-plus eyewitnesses? When you talk, when you argue for the resurrection, if the resurrection is true, if you can prove that the resurrection is true, and there's just overwhelming proof that the resurrection is true, then you've proved the Bible, and you've proved Jesus, and you've proved God, and you've proved all of it if you prove the resurrection. And so if it's true, then God's word is true, and God's word must be accepted for what it is and what it says. Get our human reasoning out of the picture. Take the Bible for what it is, because... The evidence shows that it must be from God, and if it is from God, then we have to take it for what it is. Real quickly, let's get a couple of email responders to this question. We're going to move a little quickly, Jacob, to get through all this. But Kent in Georgia says, <clears throat> humanity, to the question of is it, are we believing in what is doesn't exist when we argue for God, he says, humanity exists either by special creation or by evolution. These are the only two possibilities. Creation implies the existence of God, such is obvious in that there can be no creation without the existence of God. Evolution implies that individuals were either born or transformed from animals. These are the only possibilities. Humans were not and are not born of animals. Animals were not and are not transformed into humans. Humans do not exist by being born and transformed from animals. Humans do not exist either by being born or transformed by animals. Evolution, therefore, is false. Special creation is therefore true. Therefore, God does exist. To deny this argument is worse than ridiculous. Okay. Steve uh, commented tonight. He says, every argument for God. Oh, no, sorry. That's the, that's the, the, that's the claim. The, yeah. His, he says, every argument for atheism denies what we see all around us. Atheism tells us that all the order we see in our solar system and universe came about by blind chance. Atheism is a faith system. We need to emphasize that. I appreciate Steve for saying that. Atheism is a faith You're system. You're believing something. They have no proof for their beliefs in the universe's origin, nor for the many things we see in this world. They have theories. They're not proven, so they have no proof. So they, it's a system of faith. It's a system of faith. He says they look at the Grand Canyon different from one who believes there is a creator. The believer sees traces of the great flood of Noah's day and God's creation. The atheist sees in the Grand Canyon the result of billions of years of blind evolution. Like us, they go on their faith. Atheism, atheism denies the Bible. There is much evidence that shows the accuracy of the Bible prophecy and the Isaiah scroll, known to predate Christ by 100 to 150 years. Okay. So I right. appreciate Thank that, you. Steve. Thank you, Steve. We are way over time for a Let's break. Grab a when break. we get back, 
the audacious claim by one of the commenters on Facebook. Now here's tonight. the here's the next comment. This is the one. This is this is really outlandish. Religion is far and away the worst thing that ever happened to humanity. The worst thing. Religion is stupid. Every word of every one of them. Spreading religion is spreading stupid like the disease that it is. Religion drags humanity backwards. Here you go. I don't know. That's pretty pretty plainly stated. I don't know exactly where that guy stands. You got it, Kyle? Did you pick up what he was putting down? I think we can understand that. Right. you, Kyle? Angela is from South Georgia on the line tonight. Ben's in Lawrenceburg, Tennessee. Um, and Hunter says, blessed are you when you are persecuted. Thank you for that, Hunter. That's Timothy's in Granbury, Texas. Did you mention that? Yeah, I mentioned him? that. Angela says, you said that they've adopted a certain viewpoint about religion. They are believing what other people are saying about religion without really searching or studying for themselves. Or else they tried religion with a group practicing false teaching and or hypocrisy. Uh, and then six, uh, 5618 references 2 Timothy 3, verse 12. Indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, as in the days of Noah, 1767 says. Um, and then Angela says, why would anyone make excuses to believe something that keeps us from being like everyone else that causes us to be persecuted and slandered like this, even if we did, didn't believe it was true and bringing us to a higher calling? So Angela says, listen, why would you follow something that you believe just to be a fake, an excuse? And, and to suffer persecution because of it. Yeah. Exactly. Good did question. you mention Ben in Lawrenceburg? I did. I okay, got I, I wasn't paying attention when you mentioned okay. that roll call. If you haven't signed in the chat room tonight, sign in and let us know where you're listening tonight. And certainly you have something you'd like to say about these ridiculous comments that we're getting. Religion is religion is far and away the worst thing that ever happened to humanity. You believe that? Let us know your thoughts. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study is back right after this. There's more of the Virtual Bible Study to come after these important messages. Stay tuned. Misconception number 22. The folks at the College of Church of Christ don't like music. Some people say this, but it's simply not true. The fact is we love music and use it as often as we can in worship. Granted, we don't have pianos, organs, guitars, or drums, and we can't explain that if you would like. But we do have music, good music. You ought to come and be a part of it sometime. You may have been misled about us. Why not come and learn the truth about the College of Church of Christ this Sunday morning at 9.30 a.m.? Remember, the truth will set you free. This is Greg Quinn with this week's Bullet Point. Occasionally, especially when discussing politics, we'll hear someone described as a pragmatist. What this means is that the fellow's main operating rule is to do whatever it takes. His standard for judging whether a thing is good or not is, does it work? All that matters to him is getting the desired result. It doesn't matter how he gets it. If he gets reelected, if his campaign contributions keep coming in, then everything is good. Never mind that promises have been broken, questionable tactics employed, even laws violated. The pragmatist isn't concerned with such details and technicalities. There's clearly a growing trend toward pragmatism in religion. It is that philosophy which says the end justifies the means. All around us, we are seeing signs of it. Many denominations have been following this approach for decades. Now, even among churches of Christ, we see it. Some of our brethren have become completely consumed in the quest for results. We all want to see the church grow. We long to see lost souls converted. How can we achieve these goals? The pragmatist says, do whatever it takes. If this means changing the scripturally authorized work and worship of the church, he's willing to do so. Go ahead, add instrumental music. People like it and even expect it, so let's have it. Let women take a leading role in preaching and conducting the services. After all, this is the trend in the world, and we've got to adjust to it if we want to keep up. And we need to add recreation and entertainment to draw the young people, social services to entice people with special needs, and so forth. There's no stopping place for the religious pragmatist. As he continues his work, we will see the church go farther and farther away from the truth taught in God's word. Instead of pragmatism, we need to demand a, quote, thus saith the Lord, unquote, for all we do and teach. Read Colossians 3, verse 17. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. See, I told you we'd be back. The virtual Bible study continues. And we're back on the program tonight. Uh, we're talking about some of the negative responses we got to a Facebook ad, and the next one is just really outrageous. Let me read it again. On our Facebook page, someone commented and said, Religion is far and away the worst thing that ever happened to humanity. Religion is stupid. Every word of every one of them. Spreading religion is spreading stupid. Like the disease that it is, religion drags humanity backwards. Got some good comments from Mark. Tonight. I really like Mark com- Mark's comments. Mark's up in Indiana. Yeah. Uh, he says uh, it, also, uh, it also. This 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 argument, religion is uh, bad for humanity. They they like to point to the Crusades. Yeah. 
You know, when the, and, and the Crusades may have killed upwards of five million people. That's that, and so they say, look how bad religion is, because some perverted form of Christianity, we would call it a perverted form of Christianity, led to the Crusades, which killed five million people supposedly. Okay, and so that's an argument. We hear that argument right. thrown up to us. Yeah. Well, he says, if you think religion is bad, try atheism. Three people who ridiculed God, Hitler in Germany, Stalin in Russia, and Pol Pod in Cambodia, were collectively responsible for over 100 million deaths, making the 20th century the most deadly in history. Yeah. So how about how how you like atheism? In other words, religion is the worst thing that ever happened. And if you could if you could find verification for the fact that and again, we're not defending the Crusades. Not at all. Uh, but if you want to hold that as, up as an example, compare the five, supposedly five million that were killed in the Crusades to just three notable historical atheists who killed over 100 million in the 20th century. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. He goes on to, to address this idea that religion drags humanity backwards. That same comment said this, humanity drags humanity backwards. He says approximately 90% of the colleges and universities in the United States were started by religious organizations. Among them are Harvard, Princeton, and Yale. Because reading and speaking are fundamental to understanding Scripture, religious people have always valued education. Maybe the comment is about the teaching coming out of those places these days. In that case, he might have a point. Maybe people who make comments like this one. Uh, so, uh, I think Mark makes a really good point that that there's all kinds of things that could be credited to religion in, in advancing the human race. You know, I, I, I wish somebody would do this. You know, we hear about mass shootings, school shootings, and, and all the atrocities are going on. I wish somebody would lay that, chart that out and lay that out over time, lay that right next to the number of people that profess to be Christians in the United States. And you would see those those graphs intersect. With, um, that as laying out over time, we would see the number of people who profess to believe in God and be uh, going down. down, going down, and the number of these atrocities apparently going up. I think you'd see a correlation. But religion's the worst thing that's ever happened, by far and away, yeah. to humanity. Yeah, exactly right. Uh, that's what the comment says. All right. Kent in Georgia says there's no way that a denial of biblically authorized religion can be successfully proven as being a valid assertion. Even secular history disproves this unfounded charge. It is both atheism and agnosticism that spreads stupidity like a disease. It is atheism and agnosticism that drags individuals backwards. Such makes individuals heathen and behave like animals. If you do not... If you do not believe that, look at modern-day society in comparison with the animal world. Okay. And Steve said religion, uh, see here, um, Christianity is good for those who want to thank and praise God who created all things. It is sad that people want to ignore God during their brief time on earth. Real quickly, let's just reemphasize that we're not defending atrocities that have been done in history in the name of religion, Christianity or any other religion for that matter. We're not. Those things are horrible. Should never have happened. We're not defending them. And so, if you do bring up, for instance, we're going the next couple of comments are going to call us a cult. Oh, you want to bring up a cult like Jim Jones in Guyana? There's no defense for that. We're not defending that sort of thing. We're not defending that sort of thought or action. and so we want to make it clear when we say that when we deny that religion is bad, we think religion has been good for humankind, religion in general, true religion specifically. There have there been perversions and violations, obviously, and we're not defending those. All right. Uh, guest 1767 says we're not called to religions, I guess, plural. That is, I guess 1767 is implying that the one one true religion. I uh, appreciate that comment. Ben says, if you believe that religion is bad for mankind, you are in poor company. Karl Marx, the founder of communism, made this statement. The full quote from Karl Marx translates as, religion is the sigh of the oppressed creature, the heart of, of a heartless world, and the soul of soulless conditions. It is the opium of the people. And so, uh, he's, so, you're, you're, so that's right. Ben's right. If you, if you take that position, you're in the company of Karl Marx. 
Yeah. Okay. Um, guest seven, uh, 1767 goes on and adds, lots of religions practice self-flagellation, mutilation, and self-harm. We should not aspire to be religious. They are categorizing all actions in the name of religions into any type of belief in God. Exactly right. So yeah. it's a, they're projecting these, these the perversions, perversions yeah. onto all believers. Appreciate that comment. Sarah says, how about Genesis uh, 6 through 9? The Lord saw the wickedness of man and was great in the earth. Seems man was the worst thing to ever happen to humanity. I appreciate that, Sarah. Yeah. It, the, the, what we see in the world today is not what God intended. It's the, it's the sin and the evil that men have uh, perpetrated in the world. Eric says, if the Christian is proved wrong on the last day, and he says we're not going to be, but he says if we had, were, uh, we've lived the best physical life that can be with our church family and blessings therein. If the atheist is proved wrong on the last day, they will have an eternity of regret. We need to continue to teach the truth in love. Thank you for that. Exactly Eric. right, Eric. And Angela says, since moving away from religion and towards so-called progressive thinking, divorce has gone up, cruelty in homes, schools, etc., bullying, bullying, hate, confusion of genders, mental disorders has gone up. Uh, God knows what we need. He made us. Exactly right. Thank you for good, that, Angela. Good point, Angela. All right. All right, let's move quickly. Let's grab another. I want to take the next two together. I put sent out the ones I numbered as three and four. Comment, these comments came into our Facebook page. One person said, target your ads better. I am not interested in your cult. And another said, keep your primitive cult to yourself. So the reason I picked those two out is because they they identified uh, – the the church the Lord's church the Church of Christ they they identified us as a cult. I thought you picked it out because when he said target your ads better, that proves that you targeted at your ads just right because he needed to hear that ad. <laughs> maybe, that? maybe so. Okay. I I drug out some old notes here, and uh, you know th- th- he's not the first one who ever called the church a cult. Yep. Uh, I mean we, we've dealt. In fact, I think we've done whole programs on the Virgil Bible Study. Comparing the church, the Lord's church, to a cult, and it's, it's a, a common thing when you just want to make a, you just want to sling a little dirt. Ah, oh, they're a cult. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, I, if you were to do some research about what are the identifying characteristics of a cult, uh, and then compare them to the church, I think you'd see there's a great difference. I mean, if you're going to call us a cult, go ahead and call us a cult, but we don't meet, we don't even meet the technical definition of a cult. Uh, for instance, uh, in a cult, uh, the leadership often abuses persons, and people are expected to surrender their money and their property and even their personalities and their bodies to the cult leader. That doesn't happen in the church. Members with members of a cult withdraw from society. We don't teach that. We, we teach the opposite. Teach the opposite. No diversity is allowed. Uh, teachings must be blindly accepted. We, we just said tonight, we're not asking anybody to accept That's something. That's why we blindly. have the virtual Bible study. That's why we make it an open program for anybody to comment. If it was blindly accepted, we'd just jam it down people's throats. Strict obedience is physically enforced in a cult. There's no physical force in, in the church. Uh, members of the cult are suspicious of all non-members. Uh, again, that's sort of paranoia. We don't teach that. Personal responsibility is relinquished. Uh, and so people do become basically mind-numbed robots. They don't think for themselves. We're encouraging people to think for themselves. Uh, and and tr- cults typically have a tragic end, and we think in the church there's a glorious end. I'm just pointing out those few things to say the characteristics of cult really don't line up with the church. Kent says the Lord's church is not a cult. A cult is a spurious, unorthodox religious group separate and apart from the New Testament church that was built exclusively upon a human personality. The Lord's church was established by Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God himself, Matthew 16, 18 and 19, Acts 20, 28. He says, we will not be intimidated, neither be, will we be silenced. We will both preach and defend the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. We will see individuals convert to the truth or else we will run them off of the debate platform and demonstrate their cowardice and the inability to argue their case, Philippians 117, Jude verse 3. And then Steve says, we plead with you to take a second look at the Bible's teaching. If we're teaching wrong uh, in what we teach, we want to know. 
And he says, all believers believe the first, that the first century Christians were taught the right way. They were warned against leaving that way, Acts 20, 28, and 30, 1 Timothy 4, verses 1 through 3, and 1 John 1, 1 through 6. Today, if we go back and follow the teaching found in the Bible, we can have the relationship Christ came to bring. That's important, uh, that we, we do think we are primitive, primitive in that we want to be like the church in the New Testament because they were told that, uh, that people would come in and lead them away from the truth. He references Acts 20, 28 through 30, that there was going to be a departure, there was, and it was going to happen starting then and, and away from the truth, and that we need to be doing what they were told to do, to hold fast to the truths that were taught in God's Word. Don't accept any inventions. Don't accept any deviations. Go back and be primitive. We're not a cult, but we do try to be primitive in our beliefs. All right, real quickly, let's grab number five. Here's a comment we received. The Church of Christ is a very bad joke. I was there. It is legalism and heathenism on steroids with a five-step plan to hell. What was that again about water baptism remits sins, regenerates, and saves? It's an outright lie. The entire Campbellstone cult is an outright lie. Flee from this harlot with your life. Again, pretty strong language there. Uh, let's just read what our commenters have said. Uh, um, Kent says the Lord's Church is not a joke. It's the real thing. Individuals like this specific critic are all bombast and bluster. When you back them into a corner and get them away from their computer keyboard, they melt like a snowball in the August heat. They lack the courage to get on a debate platform and attempt to prove their false charges, as well as the conviction to attempt to defend their own views. If they had convictions at all, they would at least make an attempt to demonstrate where we are in error. And uh, Steve says... um does the person who wrote these words believe there is a right way? So, you know, a lot of, a lot of negative comments there, but, well, what is the right way? Yeah. And not, not any proof to sustain uh, the arguments that are made there. We've been missing a lot of comments in the chat room tonight. Uh, let me get back and get some of those. Hang on to Hunter's because it's going to apply to one of these comments here in just a minute. Okay. Uh, Angela says, let's see, um, um, well, those are related to Hunter. So Timothy says, uh, some I've heard speak of the church as a cult think we are brainwashed, I think, for myself and the truth of the Bible. Yeah, I, I'm with Timothy on that. I find it offensive that I am represented as a thoughtless, brainwashed, blind follower when I, when I know... And you know, and all of us know, that we have considered the facts. We've considered the evidence. We've come to a conclusion. It's not like we're just mindlessly bumbling along. I find it offensive to be represented that way. It's just just an argument or just a way to sling mud. It's just sort of a cop-out. You know, I don't want to engage. I'll just say they're a cult. Yeah, it's just and then that that sort of gets people who aren't really interested in the truth immediately shirk shirk back. Say, oh, wow, they're a cult. I don't want anything to do with them, whatever the group is. I mean, it's the the term cult gets thrown around to all kinds of different uh, religious organizations that people just don't want to engage in um, a meaningful debate with. Yeah. Okay. let's grab a break. And when we come back, we'll go to the top of the hour dealing with some more of these comments we got on our Facebook page. Yes, 5725 in James chapter 1. It tells us to be hearers and not doers only. The idea is first be a student. Not to be hearers, but to be doers. Did I get it wrong? Yeah. I read wrong. Uh, The idea is first be a student, then a teacher. Those who have founded a cult generally have skipped the student phase and honor themselves immediately to be a teacher. Okay. All right. Thank you for that. Uh, Get one more break, and then we're going to go to the top of the hour after this. We've got some more crazy ones uh, in here. Jesus was a myth. Uh, you want to lose your faith? Just read the Bible. We're a, religion's a superstitious rot. Crazy stuff. We're going to get it on the other side. Don't go anywhere. We're back right after this. Are you listening? There's going to be a test on this stuff. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. Misconception number 17. The folks at the College of Church of Christ believe that water saves. Some people say this, but it's simply not true. We believe the blood of Jesus saves us. Granted, we do believe water baptism is necessary for salvation, and we would like to explain why to you. But without Jesus' blood, no one will be saved. You may have been misled about us. Why not come and learn the truth about the College View Church of Christ this Sunday morning at 9.30 a.m.? Remember, the truth will set you free. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. A recent study showed that more than 4 out of 10 American adults no longer are members of the religion they were brought up in. About 1 in 10 changed religion and then went back to the one they left. Just under 5 in 10, 47% have never changed faith. Some have switched more than once, 
and a small number have changed three times or more, according to the study. That information is via the Pew Forum on Religion and Public Life. The Word of God says in Ephesians 4, verse 14, Be no more children, tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. God's Word has the answers. Let's get back to studying it. The virtual Bible study rolls along. We're rolling to the top of the hour as we look at negative comments on uh, Facebook. You, you mentioned during the break that you were censored in your uh, your post tonight. Yeah, when I when I put out the, the topic for consideration tonight, Facebook would not let me boost the post because it said you're not allowed to criticize people's character and what they were actually objecting to was the wording they, you in, quoted in these the people comments. that were blasting us <laughs> yeah ben says sometimes the charge of brainwashing is a way to try and marginalize a person being converted to the truth they have no other answer i think you're right that's ben. what i was yeah, yeah. ben said it so much more succinctly than i was trying to say there the idea of brainwashing in the cult is they're trying to marginalize us when they don't have any other answer thank you for that ben and guess 57 25 says, I think all the negative comments can be thrown under John chapter 7, verse 17. John 7, 17. If any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether I speak, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. If Yeah, study it. Study it for yourself and you'll know. Timothy says, when I visited Germany, it was amazing to visit a Geminati uh, Christi that amazingly taught the same truth as the Church of Christ. We live in a, we, we live a simple truth of God's work. Yeah, I'm not I'm not familiar with that at all, but I know that there there has been, uh, and I've run across evidence of this sort of thing in in some of the visits I made to Russia. There were people all over the world who were just taking their Bibles and following what the Bible teaches. You know, we interviewed the fellow from England who said he could trace back the Lord's Church all as far back as history allows you to go. There were people evidence of disciples the, just, just the following the Bible. No creeds. No yeah. denominations, just saying we're yeah. going to be Christians like they were in the Bible, which is our plea, is which is what our, our goal is. Just do what the Bible says and get rid of the human denominations, get rid of the human creeds. Just do what the Bible says. That's our goal. Uh, and so uh, Timothy says he saw traces, uh, ideas of that in Germany. You've seen them in Russia. We've seen them in England with the guy we interviewed several years ago. As far back as you can go, people were trying to do that. That's yeah. and because because that's what the disciples were warned against. The elders were warned against about that in Acts chapter twenty. Is that yeah. people are going to depart, get back to the way it was in the first century. Yeah, that's what God wants. Let's go quickly here. Another comment we received. I numbered it as number six. That we got close to two hundred comments, but here's the one I picked out and numbered it as number six. You got over two hundred comments. Yeah. You did light it up. Uh, yeah. Wow. Uh, here's the long and short of it. Now, here's the long and short answer to the Jesus myth for your reading pleasure. Did Jesus ever exist? Short answer. The evidence shows that Jesus is just a mythical character and never existed. Well, this, whoever wrote this, shows that they do not have an understanding of history. Well, now, I got I got full disclosure here. This, this post went way longer. It was two or three pages long and he went into a lot more detail he he gave the long answer after this short answer oh okay so i, I want a, a full disclosure there but he says that the evidence shows that jesus is a myth that he never existed that's just not true i was looking at a book today uh called the historical jesus ancient evidence for the life of christ by gary Haberm. Habermas, I think is the way you say his last name. Uh, he's a college professor and, and, and he listed 12, more than 12 historical references to Jesus. In other words, the question is, the question is not at this point, is Jesus the only begotten son of God? The question is just, did Jesus ever live? Was there, was there a, man a man named Jesus? Yeah. And, and this commenter says, no, it's a myth. It's a myth. He never existed. But, 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 Scholarship says most certainly there was a historical Jesus, no doubt about it. Uh, in, in his later comments, he references, there's a famous quotation in Josephus where the Jewish historian Josephus acknowledged the existence of Jesus. And this guy says that that was a, uh, that was something added into the Josephus text centuries later. And and this Haber, Haberman uh, says absolutely not. There's all kind of evidence that that's a legitimate part of of Josephus's observations. And there, there he says there are more than a dozen historical references to the existence of a man named Jesus. Now 
understand we're talking about 2,000 years ago. They didn't have mass communications. Uh, they didn't have a way to publish. And, and so it's like, why isn't there more historic? Why aren't there more historical documents that verify the existence of Jesus? Understand, there's not a lot of historical documents, period. There are historical documents, but there's not a lot of them, not like it is in our And that's a lot of documentation for something that that long ago. Yeah, exactly right. Um, Especially for someone who lived a very... uh, Common life. Yeah, common life. He wasn't... wasn't you know, incredibly popular or famous. He wasn't. He wasn't a, a, a like a Caesar in Rome. Right. Yeah. Kent yeah. uh, says Jesus is not a myth. Even secular history gives evidence that Jesus Christ of Nazareth did exist. When one properly studies Old Testament prophecy in conjunction with the records of the life of Christ, in addition to the evidence of the reality of the death, burial, and resurrection, one will see that not only did Jesus Christ exist, he still lives and will ever exist. As the only begotten Son of God. Thank you for that, Kent. Steve says the, the evidence is contrary to what is written by this poster. Not only is there evidence that Bible characters like Pontius Pilate, the Herods, and Caiaphas, the high priest, exist, we have the words of Tacitus. And then he's got a longer quote from uh, Tacitus, uh, who lived from 56 to 120 AD. Uh, he was a senator, a historian of the Roman Empire. Uh, His two major works were Annals and Histories. Parts of each survive. Uh, And then he quotes one. Tacitus said, Neither human effort nor the emperor's generosity nor the placating of the gods ended the scandalous belief that the fire had been ordered by Nero, the, the, the city of Rome burning. Therefore, to put down the rumor, Nero substituted as, as culprits and punished in the uh, most unusual ways those hated for their shameful acts whom the crowd called Christians. The, the founder of this name, Christ, had been executed in the reign of Tiberius by the procurator Pontius Pilate. Suppressed for time, the deadly superstition erupted again, not only in Judea, the origin of this evil, but also in the city of Rome itself, where all things horrible and shameful from everywhere come together and become popular. So there, there, there's an example. So Steve provides us a quote from the, the Roman historian Tacitus, that there, that there was a Jesus. There you go. So it was crucified by Pontius Pilate. Uh, okay, collab, collab, corroborates that word, yeah, <laughs> with the Bible. Okay. Uh, okay. All right. We've got to go quickly here. Uh, we may not get all the comments in the chat room, but we'll, we'll do as best we can to kind of watch those, Jacob. The next quote that I picked out, the next comment that I picked out, references that sermon topic that's going to be preached 2.30 this Sunday, Lord willing, by Josh McKibben. How to lose your faith by your time you're 20? Just read the Bible. Once you get to the parts about talking snakes, bats being birds, and delighting in bashing baby skulls in on rocks, you'll hopefully turn away from this nonsense. All right. So this person says, you want to lose your faith? Read the Bible. You'll lose your faith. And then it mentions some things that I think are kind of weird to mention. Talking snakes. That's obviously a reference to Satan in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. Yep. We believe that the Bible describes miraculous manifestations. We we believe that that was a manifestation of of, of a spirit being Satan was manifested in the form of a serpent and tempted Eve to sin. Now, I'm not going to back away from that because that's not the only supernatural thing that I believe that the Bible conveys. Yeah, some that are a lot more. Uh... I mean, I, I believe Jesus walked on water. I believe Jesus was raised from the dead. <clears throat> a talking snake is no big deal. I mean, obviously, it's not a normal occurrence. But the Bible describes lots of things that wouldn't happen naturally in nature because of the supernatural intervention. Yep. So I'm not. That doesn't. Matter. Hey, this guy believes that the, that it matters eternal. And it all started with a big explosion. So I don't know which one's easier to believe. Yeah. Uh, he mentions bats being birds. I, I didn't know that this that the skeptics like to throw this up, but I found a lot of reference to this on the Internet. Uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's a statement in Leviticus 11, verses 13 and 19, where it's categorizing things that would be an abomination. You don't eat these things. Yep. And it mentions several things that are called fowls. And among them are certain birds and bats. Which are not fowls. No, but the, actually the Hebrew word just means things that fly. There you go. 
And, they, they, and so they're, they're criticizing the Bible as being inaccurate yeah. because it lists bats and calls them fowls in the English. But that's the English translation. Yeah. The original word just means things that fly. Bats fly. Now, the next one is very ironic because uh, this commenter probably delights in abortion, but uh, says that the Bible is promoting bashing babies' skulls on rocks. That is from Psalm 137. Psalm 137, verse 9. Let me get to it. Psalm 137, verse 9 says, Happy shall he be that taketh and dasheth thy thy little ones against the stones. Now that is a uh, that is what's called an imprecatory psalm, in which the the writer of the psalm was calling upon God's justice. They were it, it was written from Babylon. The it, it starts out by saying, "By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down." So this is this is a Jewish captive of Bab, of Babylonian. Uh, of the Babylonian uh, siege and destruction of Jerusalem and Judea, and so this is this is a a plea for God's justice against their oppressors. Uh, the imprecatory psalms are not easy to deal with, uh, but th- there are several explanations. Uh, I preached a sermon on this a while back, and I pulled out some notes. Uh, the the answer is that, uh, as Albert Barnes said, some of these psalms are merely prophetic. Uh, the psalms may be expressive of the feelings of the armies of God that he would use to punish the wicked. Hebrew writers were often extravagant and exaggerated in their language, uh, which those of us in the West probably considered disrespectful, uh, and it wasn't actually the case. Uh, God is perfect. He's just. His his punishments are right. Uh, that's a tougher question. The imprecatory psalms, but uh, I think they can be explained. We can't go into any more depth than that tonight. Quickly, Kid says, if one will carefully study the Bible in its proper context, it will create faith, not destroy. It Romans ten seventeen. If the Bible is not the plenary, verbally inspired word of God, upon what basis does one morally or ethically object to anything? One is required to have an objective standard of truth to attempt to argue that anything is morally or ethically wrong, and uh, and that's sort of what Steve says. He says, "To what do you turn in in uh, dealing with the existence of good and evil?" So it is ironic. This person who says there is no God would say that this is wrong. On what basis would you say that that's wrong? Yeah, that there is no standard. I'm going to take your car. Yeah. How could you tell me I'm wrong to do so? Yep. On what basis? On what basis? Um, All right. Next one. Just real. This is the shortest one. Superstitious rot. Concerning our ad about the the Bible study series we're going to have this weekend, it's just superstitious rot. Well, superstition uh, is something that's not founded in evidence, right? So uh, I'm superstitious that the, the... Step on a crack, you break your mother's back. Yeah, that's a superstition. Right? Just gonna, there's others. I'm trying to think of some other superstitions, you know. Break uh, a mirror, seven years of bad luck. There you go. There's no evidence to support that. But we're saying that there is evidence to support what the Bible teaches and what we believe and practice. Yeah. So it's not superstition because it's based on evidence. That's what Steve said. He said there's a lot of superstition in society today, but the evidence for the accuracy of the Bible leads credence to its truthfulness, and the Bible gives lessons for life that stand above all. And Kent says it, the Bible is not superstitious rot. When studied correctly and properly, one will find that there's that. Such has no errors. The Bible has no errors and constitutes objective truth that will enable one to live acceptably in this life and make preparation for eternity. Second Timothy three right. fifteen through seventeen. All right. The next comment really is uh, really inspiring and motivating and very uplifting. This is where I wanted to go back to what Hunter said in the chat room earlier. If we can get back that far and find it, I can get it. Go ahead. Uh, so the the commenter said, we don't agree, obviously, but the commenter said, "You are born, you live, you die." There's nothing more to it. I have neither the time nor the crayons to keep telling you this, which I thought was actually kind of a humorous comment. Yeah. But, man, you, you, you are born, you live, you die, and there's nothing more to it. And this commenter says he doesn't have time to talk about it. And let me tell you, if I believed like this commenter, I would waste my time on the Internet because I don't have much time, and then I'm going to be gone. Yeah, but I think if I believe what he believe, I'd just end it all. Well, Hunter says, God offers us eternal life. Atheism typically says we decay into nothingness at death. 
they seem like a pretty optimistic bunch. And that's obviously uh, uh, tongue-in-cheek. What's the optimism of atheism? Angel in Houston, Texas, responded to Hunter and said, Have you noticed that most atheists were previously believers who got mad at God regarding something they didn't understand? I've often wondered how they can get mad at God if they do not believe he exists. Good point, Angela, or Angel. Uh, it is uh, somewhat uh, hard to imagine. Um, and then, um, let's see, um, we'll, um, let's go on with our, our responders here. Um, Steve says, atheism is a faith system. As we look at all that exists, there's more evidence to believe in a supreme being than to believe that everything came from lifeless matter. And then Kent says, uh, there's far more than life and physical death in this present world. Eternity looms before us over the vast horizon. We shall at some point be appointed, or we are, we shall all at some point, uh, at some appointed time meet Christ in judgment and give an answer for our personal lives. It will then be too late to make preparation for eternity. To reject Christ and his New Testament pattern will assure one of eternal condemnation and torment in hell. Second Corinthians 5, verse 10, Revelation 20, 12 through 15. All right, we're, we're going to miss some of the comments in the chat room. Apologies for that, but thank you all for being so active there and commenting on these things. Uh, I hope it's been beneficial. I'm going beneficial to try and catch him here before, when we're done. Go. Uh, the last comment I picked out, this was number 10 of nearly 200, and they're, and they're still coming in. If I go back to the Facebook page, I, uh, I'll find more. But And a lot of them, were, as we said, were vulgar and profane. We couldn't use those. But here's one that I thought was kind of interesting. Over 2,000 years and not a word from Jesus, not even a single Christmas card saying, I'm alive and doing fine. You would think Jesus would show himself to modern man. That would keep billions of Muslims, Jews, Hindus, Sikhs, and Mormons from burning in hell forever and ever. In other words, the guy says, we haven't heard, why don't we hear anything from Jesus? If Jesus is real, why don't we hear from him? And if Jesus is real, why doesn't he show himself so that all these people who don't believe in him would come around to believe in him? That's, that's his point. Yeah, the fact of the matter is that it would not keep billions of Muslims, Jews, Hindus, Sikhs, and Mormons from burning in hell forever. I referenced Luke chapter 16, the rich man and Lazarus. Lazarus begs for someone to go and tell his brethren that hell is real, that God does exist, that they need to submit to him. And he's told by Abraham in verse verse, uh, 31, if they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. If Jesus were to appear, he already has, and it didn't stop, cause people to believe, it wouldn't change the fact now, Kyle. Yeah. It wouldn't. No, it's God, Jesus, in his, and through the Holy Spirit, and you know, God, he's already spoken to us. We have the Bible. It's already here for our understanding. God has already spoken to us in the way he wants to. And God, Jesus will come, but it's going to be a little late whenever he and does And God that. has chosen in his uh, sovereignty that he's going to save people who believe. Through the word. Faith Through the word. By hearing. He's, he's by not going to force people to believe. He's not going to provide uh, people showing up. He's sh- given us the word, and that's how he's chosen to save us, people who will believe and submit to it. Uh, Kent says we do have a word from Christ, his inspired word, John 12, 48, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. And uh, Steve says uh, the same thing. Uh, Jesus' words are sufficient, 2 Timothy 3, 16, 17, Romans 1, verses 16 and 17. So we really do have a message from Jesus. How, how, and, and it's a finished, perfect revelation. It doesn't have to be continually repeated. And the evidence is in there to convince us that this is the message from Jesus. Timothy says in 2500 B.C., the Chinese wrote of the one God, creation, woman coming from man, the flood, etc. This is all shown in the pictorial form of their written language. Uh, Sarah says Satan turned into a that, snake that, after there, he spoke to Eve. They've been debating that. Sarah was saying Satan turned into a snake after he spoke to Eve. Uh, uh, and then she says, sorry, God turned Satan into a serpent after he spoke uh, to Eve. But, but actually, and I think uh, uh, Jared addresses that, that, that in Genesis 3, he was called a serpent when he spoke oh, to that's Eve. Right. Okay. So Jared oh. and them were back and forth. Oh, that's good. Okay, so yeah, it's good comments. And, and Sarah show. acknowledges that's right. Uh, Angela says superstition seemed to be uh, purpose to make people afraid. Where the Bible does invoke fear of hell, there is hope and hope of eternal life. Superstitions do not offer hope. Good point. And Ben says, oh, I like Ben's so last comment here about, uh, you know, that uh, Jesus hasn't shown up. 
Uh, he says, blessed are those who believe having not seen. Exactly right. Thank you for good, that, good Ben. All right, Excellent comments tonight. Yeah. Lots of good feedback. And we're really, we really appreciate everybody jumping in to comment on these negative comments that we received. Yeah, we had some Facebook. good feedback yeah. on the bad feedback. Yeah, good. Uh, Remember reminder, our special, reminder, series, yes. special series this weekend here at College U, Saturday, 4 and 7. Regular time Sunday morning, 9.30, 10.30, but 2.30 Sunday afternoon. Josh McKibben will be here to bring, I think, what will certainly be some very powerful and needed lessons. Check out Led by Truth podcast if you want to know if you should come or not. Get an idea. You get an idea of the kind of preaching he does. That's right. Uh, Kyle, uh, appreciate you getting us on the air tonight. Any comments on your side of the board? It was. Good. I think our first reaction to reading these is just... Anger, I guess that the righteous anger. But your blood pressure it, went up a little bit, didn't I it, Kyle? Think, uh, it's good. To, we should turn our anger into this. People need uh, the fields are white. The harvest is. It's people need people need the words. So it it is sad. Right. I was, yeah, I was talking with someone earlier today about. He said that these kind of comments make him sad, and they should make us all sad because uh, it shows us what people need, Kyle, and, you, and it shows us how bleak our life would be without God in it. Yeah. Yeah, thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah, Go Go good ahead. comments. Appreciate it. Look forward to seeing you this weekend. All right. Find out more on our website, collegeu.com. Thank you for joining us on the program tonight. I hope you benefit from our study and discussion of God's Word. I hope you make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word, the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.